Witty, thought-provoking, and uplifting, Southern Soul Livestream is a program that you'll invite your friends over to watch every week where you'll learn about interesting guests and get to share in their fascinating experiences. Tune in each Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to connect with guests from across the generations and to laugh with our eclectic hosts who are as charming as they are talented. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's our host, Calvin. Next up, April. April, what is up, girl? <laughs> what is up? So, you know, the Kappas are all in the house tonight. Oh. You know what I mean? So, so, so we're going to have to, you know, do our thing, you know, so we're going to have to figure this thing all out. Day, all day. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, April, you know, you've been doing your thing for a while, but I'm excited because I've watched you, right? I watch you grow. I watch you do your thing. And one thing I love about you is that you've been doing your corporate thing. Mm-hmm. And... You've been doing your side hustle thing, but I don't want to tell your whole story. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Let us know who you are and tell us something about yourself. Awesome. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I have been on a few times and, you know, I do know that you guys talk uh, a little bit of bourbon, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I love it because I love uh, having, I'm not a connoisseur yet, although I now know who to go to. Um, So I appreciate you guys having me and uh, you just thinking of me in that way. And so I am April Pyatt, uh, owner and lead event coordinator here at Socialite Events. Um, We are located in the Durham, North Carolina area. However, we are all over. (laughs) We travel This is a wedding and event planning uh, firm, and so I'm super excited about being here tonight. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Now, you you say you travel all over. Tell us about, you know, socialite events in the history. And by the way, I love that term, you know, because we're going to share in the audience. Feel free, Tamika's going to drop in the chat so people know exactly where to follow you. Absolutely. But tell us about socialite events. First of all, I love that term. You know, I'm a I'm, I'm a big fan of words, right? <laughs> so I remember when I first stumbled across that word socialite, I'm like, I like that word. Tell us about yeah. socialite events, what you guys do in the history. Sure, absolutely. So um been in business for quite some time now, kicked it off in 2008. And it originally started by um, one helping one of my best friends plan her wedding in Jamaica one of my favorite spots. Um, she's actually there now <laughs> again. Um, yeah, back back years ago, um, helped her to plan her wedding and then connected with a really good friend of mine, um, who's still a tremendous friend to me, everyday friend to me, uh, Stephanie Forte, who is down in my home state of South Carolina, uh, where I'm originally from. And she had a wedding and event planning space uh, or event uh, business, I won't say space yet, um, that, that may be some foreshadowing for her, but she had a wedding and event planning uh, business and, you know, kind of got in, got my feet wet and I just realized, you know, this is something I really feel like I can do. And I came back, I called my lawyer and because um, it's very important to be legal and everything that you're doing and making sure that you're well aligned. Um, and I just decided working on, started working on the website um, started putting myself out there and putting some feelers out there. And um, once the website was up, you know, we started with a you know a logo, had all the things in place, and I just said it's time to do it. And so um, promoted myself, got my first wedding, and as tough as it was, <laughs> it was successful. And that was the main thing, and that was all I was looking for. So that first one was successful, and we haven't had one that was unsuccessful since. So. Yeah. 
awesome, awesome. You know, I, I can't really describe it, but I know I, I see the pictures. Mm-hmm. I see the experience. And I don't know what it is, but it's about, you know, something about your customers, your audience. I feel like you got a unique niche, right? When I see you, I don't even think of wedding planner, right? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what she's doing, but she just... She got her own you know, little vibe thing. I, what, I what do you relationship. Yeah, it's you know, we set ourselves apart a lot of times by just building the relationship with our clients and giving them the customer service that they may or may not be getting in other places. Um, it's an experience. And so um, we, we like to coin it as a, as a carefully curated experience. And so, mm-hmm. you know, from start to finish, um, making sure that they feel comfortable, that the conversation is there between what they really want, what they can afford, and how we can make the most out of the money that they have. But we, a lot of times, end up, you know, lifelong friends with our clients, and that's a, a really big deal to us. And so, yeah, it's one of the things that I think really sets us apart, but we have this great relationship. Wow. So you really are focused on customer because, you know, sometimes people go high end. They're like, we're going to be the high end, you know, brand. We're going to be the budget brand. But it seems like you're focusing on relationships. But I can tell it's always like this beautiful, you know, I love my word, eclectic type vibe. So, you know, kudos to you for building that. So tell us about your experience, because I know you're in corporate, you're still in corporate. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I remember when we first met, we were talking about entrepreneur, I mean, not entrepreneurship, um, Project management, because I think yeah. core yeah. what you kind of do is project management, you know, in the nine to five. And yeah. I can imagine tons of project managers have dreamed <laughs> about doing what you're doing, yeah. but very few of them do it. So, you know, I, I would like to kind of know before I kind of get into this ecosystem thing, what do you think made you a little different? Right. Do you feel like you yeah. you have a different courage? You had a different skill. You had a different relationship. What is your advice for those people out there in corporate and they're thinking about it? But they haven't done what you did, which is, and I think you've been building this thing for at least 10 years, right? Absolutely. A little over 10 years for sure now. And so um, a lot of it is about taking what you learn in one space and and transitioning that to another. You know, um, I have a computer science degree, which sounds like it's totally different, of course, from wedding planning, wedding and and event planning. But, um, you know, I am now working in the IT project management field. And so you take a lot of those same um, attributes and things that you hone, those skills that you hone in a corporate arena, and you make them work in real real life, you know, in, in, in your business. And so a lot of it is quite similar. You know, if you think about the scope, the schedule, the budget, all of that, you know, it is really and truly um, the same. And you just, you kind of layer it on top of this beautiful event. So instead of you know, working with developers, <laughs> you're working with vendors and uh, and clients. And so, you know, your customer or your client is it's still really important to them. The, the level of communication and the way that you communicate, a lot of the way that we've structured the process of what we do with our clients um, was, was really um, structured from project management principles. And so, awesome. you know, you, you really leverage what you already know and just, you know, just become a beast at it. <laughs> well, well, kudos to you, you know, for beasting at it, right? Because, yeah. you know, as I think about it, like I said, people, you know, they dream about it, right? Because, you know, they can connect the dots. They're like, oh, project management. And, excuse me, not just project management, but IT project management, corporate project yeah. management. And that's a whole different level, right? So but taking those skills and, you know, what I imagine, you know, having a similar background, right? You start with those transferable skills, right? Yeah. And like you said, the transferable skills between the budget, the cost, the scope, the customers, 
you know, would you say there's anything else you um, had that kind of allowed you to step out there and do it versus dreaming about it? Absolutely. I think it's the, the high tech and high touch feel of it all too, you know, so okay. um, of course you've got the high tech part that comes from the IT, okay. you know, background and what have you, but that personal touch, being able to connect with people and being a great listener, which is, um, you know, really underrated, I think these days. Um, being a really good listener and being able to connect with people, um, using them, making sure they're comfortable and um, allowing, you know, yourself to really come through in what you do. And so on the corporate side, you're working with people and they're, you know, they're very, you know, computer centric and very, you know, um, technical. And mm. so being able to break through even on that side, on the corporate arena and making sure that you build those relationships, you get projects done a whole lot faster that way when you make friends, you know? So I think it's the same thing, you know, being able to, to take that, like you said, transferring those skills and just really being a great listener and, and transitioning that into something beautiful for people and allowing them to, you know, see, Whatever your budget is, we can really make this thing gorgeous for you, you know, and being honest also. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. You know, you yeah. know, kudos to you because those transferable skills are real. And sometimes mm -hmm. I can imagine you say project management and people don't know what that means, <laughs> but I think it means something else. But right. it, it's good that I see how you have used that because I can literally see it. Now, I want to kind of step back now that we know about you okay. is talk about some of these. Um, it's a more academic topic, but at the same time, it's mm -hmm. not right. You know, when I was in business school, it was around 2005, and then around 2010, this concept of entrepreneurship ecosystems came out. Mm -hmm. And we already know what it means because all they did is took something and renamed it. And all it really means is, hey, similar to when we go out to Silicon Valley, we go out there because there's a lot of IT shops. And if you want to yeah. be successful in technology and starting your startup, you go to Silicon Valley. Yeah. Well, in Hollywood, where do you go? I mean, as an actor, what do you go when you want to be successful? You go to Hollywood because there's a whole <laughs> ecosystem of mm -hmm. acting, of arts and things like that. So the concept is introduced to say, what if entrepreneurs like you, April, mm -hmm. wasn't just out there hustling, flowing by yourself, but yeah. you had a whole ecosystem, community building, culture and local engagement, resources, you know, mm -hmm. skill sets and training and you know, policy, you know, the speaker like, well, last week said, you know, you know, sisters out there trying to braid and get their braiding company off the ground. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they regulating sisters can't even braid hair. Right. That's mm -hmm. policy. And mm -hmm. then capital, because we all know about money. Right. Tell right. us about your experience when it comes to your ecosystem. Have you had any uphill battles, any challenges, any wins? Tell us about your experience and tell us about some things that you would recommend for the audience to look for mm -hmm. once they're doing that hustle and flow. Um, I, I would start with, you know, the fact that I'm a firm believer that your network is directly tied to your net worth. And so you really have to um, surround yourself with the right people. And sometimes that means, you know, one-on-one, um, -on -one, finding a mentor, finding someone who, you know, is doing what you're doing and you, you really love where they're going with it. You love their business practice. But I think that's that's probably one of the first steps that I, I would recommend anybody. And sometimes it's a little harder because people look at, um, they may look at you as competition even just starting out. But if you dig long enough, you'll, you'll meet 
um, and April, who is open to always sitting down and talking to other entrepreneurs and giving them the basics of what it is that you need to do. Um, you know, find you a good tax expert. You know, don't find yourself in tax trouble um, the first year or two in your business. You know, find build your team of experts. You know, you think about a president, um, maybe not much our most recent, but uh, but if you think about that, you know, that president doesn't know every single thing. You know, they've got cabinet leaders and different people that they are, you know, advisors, people that they're kind of tapping into. Build that network of people, um, one that you can go to, one about money, one about, you know, um, business practices, how to really build out your website to make things flow, how to be found properly on the internet and increase that, um, you know, those those clicks. And so building that network is, is super important. That's one of the biggest things, I think, in terms of business that um, anyone starting out and or even if you've been in business for a while that you can do and create a process so that if you are working a full-time business, you don't run yourself into the ground because you create the right process and, and you can, it's a repeatable process and something that you can do time and time again and, and be good at it. So. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And, and you just yeah. mentioned another transferable skill. So I was smiling <laughs> because you said process process driven. I love that statement because you know, April, Absolutely. everybody's not process driven, right? No, no. That's probably one of those skills you take for granted. Do you take it for granted or you kind of use I it every day? I absolutely don't. No, okay. no, I don't. One of the things, especially um, as a planner that we did, um, especially as we began to grow and you've got back to back to back weddings and you're trying to, you know, work a full-time job is to, you know, make the investment into the tools that'll help um, make this thing easier for you. So we, you know, made the investment in a, a CRM, you know, um, relationship management tool that mm -hmm. allows us to get our, our clients communicated to on a regular basis. And that can create, again, time back into that process, but doing the things that help you to work smart so that you don't wear yourself out. You know, self-care is so important, even as an entrepreneur. Awesome. Awesome. You know, thanks for sharing that story about, and I, I like the way you said about your ecosystem and I would paraphrase. Mm -hmm. Because as you were speaking, I was hearing a lot, but how I summarize, because that's what I do, mm -hmm. is that you said, I created my own ecosystem. And in my own ecosystem, I started with my network. Mm -hmm. And in my network, I knew about certain things that I didn't want to be, you know, fell on, such as finances, you yeah. know, and things like that. But I like that because one of the things I challenge, you know, entrepreneurs is that, you know, the old, you know, community building and thing was based on physical location. And what I've seen is that we are so virtual, we're so dis dispersed, right? So I would argue that the future of entrepreneurship is going to have this dispersed model where you have to, like you said, leverage that network and build your own ecosystem. So thank you for sharing that because, you know, it, you know, as they say, every time, you know, things become new, sometimes they're still old, but what you kind of described is like, hey, there may be some new things out there, but this is how I built it. So thank you for sharing that because I like that. Yeah. And I, I think it's important. No, I was going to say, just, I think that's important. And, you know, even after the pandemic, we, you know, we were already kind of moving towards this model of, you know, meeting with clients virtually just because you want to do things that are time compounding as well. And so, you know, again, if you're going to have, you know, 
side business and or something else that you're trying to make a full-time business or something income replacing, you know, you got to be agile in the way that you move. And so, you know, one of the things that came out of the pandemic is that people did realize that you don't always have to meet in person for everything. And, um, you know, I've had clients that I didn't meet until the month of, or maybe they're in a whole different state or, wow. you know. And so, yeah, it's, it's really, um, you know, it's one of those things that, I think matters as you're building out your process and who you're going to be as a business owner, be as agile as you can be. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, tell me this. Um, you mentioned, I know one of the things you want to talk about is, you know, your response, you know, during COVID, right? Cause mm-hmm. you know, during COVID weddings was one of those things where it was just all over the place. Right. Absolutely. Did you, you know, how, I mean, was it good for you, bad? Like, what did you learn from that whole experience? Share with us, you know, your lessons learned as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Um, It was one of those times that, you know, of course, the world stopped. It wasn't just wedding planning, but it was the whole world. Um, The crazy part was that we were still booking weddings. Um, You know, some of the work that I put into place, um, you know, you don't wait until it happens. You kind of dig your well before you get thirsty. And so we had put enough feelers and um, investments into advertising so that, you know, people were still finding us and people were still hopeful that, you know, um, a day would come where they would celebrate again. And they are definitely celebrating this year. (laughs) We have been very busy. Um, But, you know, I also took that time um, one to breathe, (laughs) you know, um, but, but also to build on some of those systems that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just because you're not actively doing, you know, what you would normally do in terms of back-to-back weddings during that time, you still take, I still use that time wisely. You know, you feel like you're in a lull, but that's really the time when you should kind of slow, slow down so you can speed up in the future, which I'm very grateful for now. You know, I decided, you know, which system I wanted to use. And if I wanted to switch systems and finding the right, um, for social media and SEO and all this other stuff. So, you know, if you're going to make changes, that was the perfect thing to make changes. You rebuild your website, you rebrand. So, you know, you just, I, I was, had to be hopeful also uh, during that process that, you know, things would turn around. But the other pivot was, okay, well, how do I now operate? You know, so I was thinking, you know, let's, let's build that network again, get some folks to do live streaming, you know, look at micro weddings and offer that if that's an option for people. Micro weddings? Micro weddings. (laughs) Smaller, more intimate setting weddings. So, you know, 50 or less, 30 or less, you know, 10 to 15 people. Those were the types of weddings that we were doing. Now they're back up to two, 300. But, you know, right when COVID hit, everybody was looking to do smaller events. And so figuring out ways to still be safe and to still follow protocol and put, put some of those things in place. So, a lot of that time, although we weren't actively going into a building and doing those weddings, it was the perfect time to recalibrate and really think about how do you pivot? And any good business owner has to be considering that in some way, shape or form, because, you know, time has known to move on from the beginning and it will go on without you. <laughs> That's Stevie Wonder, not me. But, um, but you know. You have to think about it and, and really pivot and be prepared to pivot in a situation like that. And that's exactly what we did. Well, you know, I forgot, April, that you you, you had a technical background. I totally forgot that, right? <laughs> and as you're speaking, I'm really picking up what you're putting down because I'm hearing, hey, she has a technical background. She's doing this technical project management. And she's utilizing these enterprise skill sets and things like that. 
Absolutely. You know, and, and but what I've also realized is that in the audience we have people who don't, you know, speak those words or geek out like you and I do. Any advice for people who may be a little intimidated by technology or, you know, it's just not their thing, right? They're more, oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're just a different type of person. Because mm-hmm. I, I actually love exactly what you're saying because people often ask me, like, Calvin, how do you do, you know, the show? And mm-hmm. I, I've been told that I run a tight ship, right? But essentially, <laughs> yeah, it's the things that you're alluding to, right? Is these different mm-hmm. skills, these different technologies, this different automation and things like that any yeah. advice you know and i mean whatever if you want to say hey get with technology or don't or mm-hmm. you know any advice for people who may be a little bit shy on that technology side yeah i you know i've um you know we all have uh, parents or grandparents or you know um an auntie or someone who's not as familiar with uh technology and and trust me even as someone who has a computer science degree and I work in the tech world, um, I can still get intimidated by stuff. The first reel that I had to do, I mean, I, you know, I dropped more F-bombs just trying to get through the thing because it was just frustrating. But, you know, yeah, it's it's a lot. It it puts a lot of pressure on you, but, you know, that's where it's going. And so whether we like it or not, those are the things that we're being kind of forced into. So I would say take baby steps, but definitely take those steps. And some things in life I have learned through experience that you just have to do afraid. And so, you know, don't don't feel forced into it, but definitely kind of ease into it and and call the, the niece or the nephew or the, you know, the little cousin or somebody and have them sit down and talk with you and kind of walk you through some of those things. And one of the biggest resources that I have found that is free YouTube. So, you know, learning how to kind of get through some of those things. Everybody doesn't start out with, you know, the nice production, you know, crew that uh, Mr. Calvin has here. But But I do think it's important to kind of ease into those things. And, you know, once you start playing around with it and get comfortable with it, and even if you wanted to create some, you know, some dummy website or, or, um, you know, uh, profile, do that and just start playing around with it and, you know, get your comfort level up to where it needs to be. Because trust me, you are not alone. A lot of people are intimidated by this whole technology thing. And, um, but I think the world is forcing us into it. And so I don't want people to be left behind in any way. So I always encourage, do it afraid and grab somebody. That's where the mentors or the folks that network again, pull those people in who really know what they're doing or who kind of know what they're doing and figure it out together. Make it fun, get a drink, uh, <laughs> and just have fun with it. You know, life is for the living. Just have fun, have fun awesome. with it. Awesome. You know, do it afraid because what I'm thinking is, you know, I'll tell you what intimidates me. What intimidates me is TikTok, right? I can't see myself TikToking, right? So yeah. I got to figure out how to do the, whatever they do. And get out and dance. I mean, are you TikToking, April? I mean, have you got? I am. I am TikToking. Uh, Social okay. events is on TikTok. However, oh. our Instagram and uh, reels, uh, our stories and our, our reels are probably more popular. But yes, I have figured out my comfort zone in TikTok. I am not doing dances, although you know I can do a little something. But I'm not doing the dances yet. You're not and doing I'm dances like, yet. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'm of an age where I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> a little older. Awesome. Well, a, a couple last questions before we pivot, because I really, really am excited, you know, about the show tonight. And our next team coming up, I mean, 
you know, I, I'm pretty sure as they sit there listening, they're just kind of thinking about, you know, the cool thing of, you know, the, the networking and opportunity. And I want to connect you, mm-hmm. you know, with the team as well. You know, but tell me this. I want to kind of pivot and just talk about a topic that I know is important. Um, sure. It's not really political, but it's it's current events, right? Mm-hmm. And what it means is, you know, what it means to be a woman-owned business, right? You know, yeah. last last week we learned that the number one growing entrepreneurial segment was woman-owned businesses. The sisters are doing their thing. And, you know, it was the, 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 the argument. It was the debate. Well, not a debate, an argument, whatever. But it's like, well, you know, is it good? Is it bad? I'm like, hey, you know, all we can do is celebrate, right? But That's what right. are your thoughts, you know, you know, in being, you know, a woman on, you know, business? Any advice mm-hmm. for the sisters out there who may be a little afraid? Because they know, you know, it's an ugly world out there. Mm-hmm. Any advice or anything that you've learned or anything that's been able to help you you know, step out there in, you know, in a certain courage or whatever. I'm just curious of what your experience, because it may be like, oh, Calvin, I've seen none of that stuff. Or Calvin, Uh, I focus on this. I'm curious. Yeah. So um, I am, and I I know this feels like a theme, but find that woman that will hold your hand and, you know, guide you to safety. (laughs) You can handle this thing. Um, One of the biggest things with being a woman-owned business and um, some of what I think are challenges, even in the corporate arena, is, you know, those that would would like to perpetuate the the lie, I should say, that, you know, women that were too emotional or that were not, you know, as well-equipped. In, in any way, shape, or form. At most of us, or if people are really quite honest with themselves, they, they do realize that um, anytime we walk into a room, there's, you know, if it's five of us, you're probably going to have at least four leaders in that group, um, or at least that's the way my crew, you know, rolls. But take advantage of the women that are be- beside you and, and sit down and talk to them. If you're talking to women and they're not in support, other women and they're not in support of you or who you are, they're not building you up anyway, then you're, you're probably talking to the wrong woman because there are ne- tons of networks out here. You know, get involved in a, a meetup or something where you've got women who are entrepreneurs. It is not hard to find leaders. Um, but I have seen, you know, especially being um, an African-American woman, who is not compromising her look, you know, you're going to get these locks, <laughs> you're going to get my style, you're going to get all of this. And so, you know, when you're coming into a corporate arena, and even into the wedding and event industry, where, you know, you don't have a ton of, you've got a good number of, of Black uh, wedding industry professionals, but in some of the networking arenas that you're in, you don't always see yourself. Mm. And so, you know, what you want to do is get at you know, get at the table and invite others, you know. And so I think that's a really big thing. But we've I've seen it. I've seen the, you know, the discrimination. I've seen the microaggression um, across the board. So it's not just in corporate arenas. It's, it's in business and in entrepreneurship as well. Um, so I definitely have experienced it. You just can't be bothered by it. You know, you mm-hmm. just have to push through and stand firm in who you are and, and um and what you do with a business. I have no doubt that if I'm going to do a wedding, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> it's going to be successful and people are going to be happy throughout that day. And you don't let any other wedding professional and or like we mentioned in the corporate arena, you don't let them jake you in any way. That's the strength of who we are. And mm. so get around the right people, get involved in women empowerment groups, um, there are tons of groups online, um, you know, 
I have tons of friends get with like-minded individuals. My friends, my family, you know, they are all strong in what they do. And so I think iron sharpens iron. That's just kind of what it is. So get around the right people. Awesome. Awesome. Build your tribe. And I like the way you describe it. You're like, if you're around those people and they're not doing the thing, then you may be around the wrong people. Well, April, it has been awesome here tonight. Thank, Thank you for sharing your story. Feel free to hang out with us. Um, if you have any other contact information you want to drop, um, I think um, we drop your contact information. I think you do initial consultations, right? So if people want to follow you, you know, I think Tamika may have already dropped that in the chat. If not, she's going to drop that where people Absolutely. can follow you. But um, mm-hmm. um, feel free to hang out with us. And, you know, if you hang out, we're going to do a Q&A at the end. But we're going to pivot real quick to our next team on deck. Awesome. And I thank, thank you, guys. you for being here. <laughs> And I look forward to chatting with you soon. Let's Thank see. You. Let me get my next team on back. You know, you know, Terrell, you know, this has been a cool conversation. I'm gonna get you unmuted while I get the rest of your team. Man, what you think about old April, man? She's doing a thing, right? She's dope. Keep doing your thing. I love to hear that. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, man. She is doing her thing. Let's see, I had. Okay, there he is. Let me get him unmuted. There it is. What's up, team? What's up, brother? I am excited to catch up with you guys, man. You guys are doing your thing, right? You know, I invited, you know, my homeboys. I said, man, you know, the cap is going to be in the building. All of a sudden, the cap is going to show up, right? You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know why, right? You know, but, you know, 1911 is 1911, right? You know, so, you know, but, you know, I must say I got to give you guys love, right? Because I want to just tell you what I first saw. When I heard your story, I saw your story. I'm like, wait a minute. These are some brothers, some black men who are doing their thing together. And I could tell by the pictures. I'm like, every one of y'all got um, personalities. I can already tell. I'm from Texas, by the way. I got old soul. Grandma said, don't read people that don't like that. But I can't help it, right? So I'm like, I see them brothers. Every one of them got personality. How in the world do y'all do it? But we're going to get into that later. Welcome, welcome, welcome here tonight. If you guys don't mind introducing yourself, telling me who you are, and we're just going to jump on into it. Okay, I'll go ahead and start. Thanks for having us, Calvin, and for everybody listening. My name is Terrell Cooper. Um, I am one-third owner of John Tom's Barbecue. Uh, my role with the company is primarily focused on branding and marketing. So anything that you see from, from the face and what's visible Uh, pretty much has come from my wheelhouse. Uh, I'm from Indiana, born and raised, representing the Midwest. I know we got a lot of Southerners on here, but we we got a little bit of soul in the Midwest too. (laughs) Yeah, we do. I'll go next. Rodney Robinson, another third John Tom's crew. Um, My role is I'm in sales uh, development for the company. So anything that helps uh, progress the business from a sales perspective and our relationship building. Glad to be on. Awesome. And I'm Othay Pegues. Um, I round, round out the team. I'm president and CEO, actually the creator of the sauces and the one responsible for pulling these two into this craziness. So thanks awesome. for having us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, 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 tell us this. You know, if you don't mind, let's start with the story, right? For the people who don't know the story, tell us the story of John Tom's barbecue sauce. And how you guys get started. And I think, Lathay, this could be a good opportunity for you to kind of shape the backdrop. Tell us how you guys got started. I mean, the history and everything. 
Well, for the sake of time, and I know we're limited, but so I'll I'll give you the abbreviated story. Mm-hmm. But um, man, this story really starts with uh, Terrell and I are first cousins. Okay, uh, his mother and my father, brother and sister. Um, Rodney, uh, my best friend, and we met uh, at Indiana University, uh, pledged together, yo yo, um, and worked in the bond together, and. Uh, so it really starts with uh, me and Terrell's grandfather, whose name was John Tom Branson. Uh, John Tom was born in Madison County, Mississippi, um, and had, I think, I believe, 10 siblings. And they all migrated uh, to the north back in the 40s uh, during the you know, Great Migration and uh, landed in Indiana. And so what our grandfather brought with him to the Midwest was this passion and love for barbecue. And uh, it's what he did um, in his spare time. He was a, you know, as a factory worker, that's how he provided for his family. But he had created this sauce um, on his own that I sure predates me and I'm older than Terrell. So uh, I often say that we were born into this barbecue family um, because that's what my grandpa was all about. Um, how our story really began with this is my grandpa passed when I was 11 um, and he took the recipe with him unbeknownst to us. I don't think we realized he didn't write this recipe down until he passed away and we found out we don't have daddy's sauce. Um, So fast forward and uh, I'm in college attending Indiana University and one random weekend, um, I was grilling and something popped in my head to try and recreate my grandfather's barbecue sauce. Um, I remember most ingredients he put in it. And so I called my auntie, Terrell's mother, and another one of my aunts and asked them what I was missing. And so they filled in the gap. So I went to the store, I bought all the ingredients. I came home, I threw everything in a pot. And uh, it was not that good. Um, this ultimately turned into um, this obsession. I wanted to crack the code. I wanted to see if I can recreate my grandfather's sauce. Well, I graduate from college. I move to Illinois. I get my first job out of college, but I took this passion with me. And so throughout the years, Um, I would just come to it on weekends, go in the kitchen, throw my jazz on, get my my notepad out, batch number 10, and and go at it. So this took me about five years. Uh Um, Didn't exactly get his sauce, but created something that I was was pretty satisfied with. I thought it was, I thought it was the best barbecue I had ever tasted. So um, I needed... Some other people to tell me that though. So what I did um, is I invited my coworkers over. Um, I am a journalist by trade, and at the time I was a, a news reporter. I was a broadcaster, uh, weekday reporter, weekend anchor, and so I invited my coworkers over to my apartment, grilled all this meat, and uh, put this ball jar filled with my sauce on the table with a spoon in it. And my plan was to just sit back 
and not say a word. I, I, I didn't want this to be prompted, uh, prompted. So I did that. Um, everybody fixed plates, um, got the sauce, turned the sauce on, and I just sat there and watched. And finally, uh, an intern of ours uh, who was a vegetarian uh, was eating plain potato chips and dipping it straight in the hot and into the, the barbecue sauce. And she finally spoke up and asked what the sauce was because she thought it was the best sauce she'd ever had and where can she get it? Uh, other people chimed in, um, said they liked it. What is it? And that's when I dropped it on them that I had invited them over because I had created this sauce, but I wanted some honest opinions on what you guys thought about. Um, some of them didn't believe it was my sauce, but eventually I convinced them that it was. So in my mind, I had something. I was I was on to something. Um, I take another job, uh, news anchor job in, in, in Milwaukee. So I moved the family to Milwaukee um, and I create uh, a spicier version of what I had created. We call it Sneaky Hot. Um, and just created it just because I like spicy, uh, would make it, give it out to neighbors. And two years into that job, uh, we, we all lost our jobs. Um, mm. our, our, our news department closed. So I was left at this crossroad with what I wanted to do in my life because honestly, I was a little burnt out on TV news. I was tired of moving my family around. So I have these sauces that I had already kind of start thinking, what, what can I do with these? So I come up with this grand plan to um, move my family back to our hometown, Muncie, Indiana, okay. move in with my mother and uh, start this barbecue sauce business. Once I got um, the okay from the wife, which I think she thought, I thought she was gonna think I was crazy, but she actually said, let's do it. Tara called me. Um, as I was planning on what, how I was going to make this happen, he called me one random night to check on me. And I told him what my plans were. He said, cuz you need some help. I said, I do. Um, and so he said, well, the first thing I want to start working on is, is that logo. So Piro got to work on the logo and then we just start putting our minds together, how we could make this, this happen. So then I told Tiro probably a couple of weeks into us doing this. I told Tiro, I said, man, I want to add one more person to this mix. And that was Rodney. Um, like I said, we pledged together. We worked in the bond together. Uh, we worked very well together. He had a business background. Um, and I knew Rodney would just be a great fit. So I, I present that to Tara and Cook was like, hey, it's on you. So I called Rodney and, uh, you know, laid it on him, asked him if he, he'd be willing to do it. Uh, we had a, our 10-year reunion and the bond was coming up and we were going to Miami. So Rodney said, hey, man, bring that sauce to Miami. I'm not going to, you know, join something that I've never tasted it. So I take the this sauce to right Miami. Yeah, I take this sauce to Miami and it was it was about I think it was seven or eight uh of our sands that that went on this trip. And day 2, we're all just, you know, clowning in the room and I, I pulled this this jar of barbecue sauce out. And uh bros was like, "Man, what's that?" I said, "It's it's this barbecue sauce I created. I check it out." So Bros took the top off, start dipping their fingers in it. Rodney's doing the same thing I did with my coworkers. He's standing back watching. He wants to see what their reactions are. So they're going nuts. It's like, dude, you got to do something with this. So Rodney finally steps up and said, man, let me taste that. So he sticks his finger in, tasted, got it on his palate. 
And then he leans into me and was like, hey, I'm in. Like that. So oh. we had the team, man. And uh, that was in March. So our first showing was going to be Indiana Black Expo, uh, which was in July. So we we only had a few months to really get everything together. That means find bottles, find labels, find shrink bands, find a place to make this sauce uh that was FDA approved so we could sell it to the masses. We did all of this, man, in a matter of a couple months. And we were ready for the Indiana Black Expo um, where we knew our people is going to tell us the truth, <laughs> whether we had a product or not. So that's why we strategically chose that uh, that venue to present now, our for sauce. The, for the audience, and, it sounds like this right here, this, this particular um, expo is African-American expo, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so so okay, so we taking it to the people, right? We taking it okay. to the people. We taking okay. our people. This is okay. this is the expo that started in the seventies, um, and uh, it, it was huge, man. The, the the vendor hall was just massive, and so we we figured we'll know we'll walk away that weekend knowing if we got a product or not. They they gonna tell us, and so um, hold man, hold it got to right the, Let they hold the thought right there because I want I want to bring other guys in, but I I I'm, I know you're getting ready to get to the good part, but I want to hold it hold you for a second. Okay. Okay. I want to get a backdrop from Rodney and Terrell. What are you guys thinking at this point? I know Terrell, I mean, you, you got your cousin, right? I mean, he fam, you know, you know him, you know he crazy. I mean, you know, I don't know, it's your cousin, right? You know what I mean? But the, he got personality, I can already tell, right? Rodney, you pledge with him, right? What what y'all really thinking of doing this time frame? I mean, you know, y'all like, well, you know, he's serious or he too wild and crazy. What y'all, I'm just curious. What were y'all thinking? My first thought is barbecue sauce. How are we going to make money off of this? That was my first thought. Okay. So, but then after hear, hearing the story and the passion, commitment, dedication behind it, and we did some research, I said, you know, well, this is this be something. So it didn't start to be something to make money. It was more of a legacy and it was a dream to carry out. So we thought it was something that we we do more than just for ourselves. It was something, something that we didn't want to just uh, look at it just as a dollar amount, a revenue stream but a passion and legacy we wanted to carry on. Awesome, awesome. And, you know, and I'm going to come back to you before we go back to um, Lafay, is um, be thinking about, you know, uh, your background and things, because I want to hear about your skill sets, right? So, Terrell, what were you thinking at this time? Were you just supporting your cousin? You know, you were just, you know, trying to get involved? I mean, wh what were you thinking at this time? Yeah, well, first, first and foremost, it was my grandfather. So just okay. knowing that it was something that we were doing to – uh, you know, preserve his legacy and carry it along. I was so right then and there. But even furthermore, I had a passion for doing the work that needed to be done. So I, it it was necessary and it was needed. So just seeing the passion that what they had behind creating the product, I could match that passion behind really putting my emotion and energy into building the brand and the logo and giving us the feel and the flavor that we have. So I. I was already in my lane and it was, it was, it was, it was a no brainer for me. Awesome. Cause based on your background, cause I think your background was marketing, right? Correct. Okay. So, so I can see the excitement there for you because, you know, as a brand manager, as in marketing, you're looking for a brand, right? You're looking to get your hands in at the ground level and shape this identity. You know, you know, I'm, I'm, I know a little bit about marketing, so I'm thinking about your excitement, right? So, 
You know, um, going back to uh, Rodney before we go to Lafay. Rodney, you know, tell us about your background. You get into it. Did, did Lafay knew you was a hardcore salesperson? Did he know you was about the money? I mean, what, how did your background shape? You know, what you were getting into. So, like yourself in, in April, I'm I'm uh, IT background. So okay. Okay. Computer computer information systems my major. So I was I'm a tech nerd, right? Okay. So I didn't get into sales till later on, but um, we didn't have any background in this. In, mm-hmm. in the food industry, a brand new industry. So we just had to leverage our resources to go out and, you know, we had to hustle and grind and execute, right? Um, and just get what we went. We had, to, we had to learn from ground up. We learned a lot of lessons. But the beauty of that is that we just, we started. We had an idea, we had a product and we just started, did some research and we hit a lot of robots, but we got around them and we just kept going. Awesome, awesome. The, the, the thing that excited me about the story of this team here is that you guys have so many core ingredients, right? Of what we talk about here at Southern Soul. We talk about entrepreneurship. We talk about community. We talk about collaboration. We talk about building community. We talk about working together, right? We talk about preserving that legacy, digital legacies and things. But Lethe, back to you. You're doing all of this. Did you know what you were doing? Did you like, oh yeah, I'm going to take all of these things and put them together? Or were you really about the sauce? I'm curious what you were thinking, like the, the, the mind of, you know, the master plan. Were you, you know, hustling flow or were you a, a solid plan at this point? I'm thinking about the early part of, you know, when you're getting ready to go to this expo. No, we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> in sports. <laughs> I mean, if we have to be honest, I know we, I mean, I'm a journalist, Ronnie IT, Tarot Marketing. I mean, we had no idea about the food industry. Here's what I did know, and here's what I I hung everything on. I created something that was enjoyed favorably by everybody I put it in front of. So I knew we had a product. I knew we had a product that would sell. But more importantly than that, I was putting my grandpa's name on this. I was putting his name on this. And I think by me doing that, I probably took it more serious than if I put my own name on that. Wow. Because I had to, I had to, we got to represent because we're taking this man's name and putting it on this product. So did we have a solid plan? No, we had a product. We had hustle. We don't take no for an answer. Um, and our skill sets that everybody brought to the table, it just, we didn't think it at the time, but we 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 soon found out that, man, it contributed to everything we're doing. So, and like Rodney said, man, we just basically, man, we've roughed it out and, and asked questions and bumped our heads and got knocked down and all of that. And along the way, all we were doing was gaining knowledge in this industry. Now we can sit with anyone in this industry and have a conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Now take us back to the expo. Take us back to the expo. You're getting ready to jump into there. You're going to the expo. This expo has been around since the, let's say the 70s, you say? Yes. Yes. Uh, Been around a long time. And um, brings, brings people from all over the country to Indianapolis, to the Circle City. So basically what we had planned on doing was showing up and just allowing people to taste it. Mm -hmm. We weren't thinking about selling or anything. 
we were just going to let people taste it, get their feedback, and then at the end of the weekend, decide, okay, do we have a product? Here's where I say these different personality and skill sets come in. Rodney <laughs> was like, you mean to tell me we're going to go set up all weekend? We're investing this money, spending this money to be here. We're not going to sell anything? Nah, we need to sell. We're going to be there. We're going to have product. Let's sell it. Okay, makes sense. So we sold it. Friday through Sunday, um, we get to Sunday, and I think it was, I think it ended like 5 p.m. Sunday. Around noon Sunday, we were all out of sauce. We had one bottle of each flavor, and we had two flavors at the time from our first batch run that we wanted to hold on to. And so with us having several hours left <laughs> with the show. You can imagine people were coming up to the table wanting to buy sauce and we didn't have it to sell to them. So it was at one point, man, we had a group of people around our table asking us if we would auction off the sauce. Wow. Yeah. And so we left that weekend and was like, well, fellas, we got a, we got a product. We got something to sell. And so we used that as the litmus test and, and we was like, well, we, here we go. So the rest, we just started figuring out. We were basically building the plane as we were flying. Awesome. You know, before we get into the academic stuff, I want to hear the story. I, I love the story, and I want you guys to tell it again. The story of, I think it was your first batch, right, where you're trying to kind of do this, um, I think, mass production or figure out how to do that. You know, and I heard it, but, you know, feel free. You know, you can tell it. Uh, one of the other guys can tell it because I want to kind of move around. But I love to hear the story, and all of you guys participate of how you guys, because now, you know, I'm going to fast forward to you getting ready to, you know, put it in stores. And people are asking me, where can you buy it? I know because I checked last night, you can buy on your website. I also know because I got the question from Willie, you know, one of your frat brothers. He wanted to know if it was vegan something. I'm like, man, I don't know, right? But based <laughs> on, you know, you know how them vegans are, man. But based on what you were telling me is if you got a vegan putting a potato chip in there, it means something, right? So he wanted to know that. I sent him something that talks about your, your sauce and things like that. But but let's step back for a second and, and make sure, you know, you guys drop into the chat how you can purchase and where to purchase, you know, stores and websites and things like that. But tell me about how you guys go upon this experimental process where you're trying to get the recipe right. Because I think what it means is making small batches is not the same as making large batches, I'm thinking. Tell us about that. Ronnie, you want to take this? I'll, I'll take the first one. So going down to a, a, a kitchen incubator. First of all, we had to get all the ingredients for a batch. So that was multiple store runs. We tried to get some things wholesale online, get it, get it on time, then drive down two and a half hours to this kitchen where we had to actually make it for FDA approved. So making a, a plate of spaghetti for four people is different than making it for 50, right? There's a lot more ingredients to go in, the seasoning, everything has to be, has to be right. So you can imagine we had one all this money we've spent on the ingredients, get down there, make it, and it doesn't come out correct. I mean, we're, we're just, we're stuck. We don't know what to do. So now we have to go across the river to Kentucky and hope they get some more ingredients to do it again. And then there were sometimes we would go down there two hours driving, spend four hours making the, making the product, failing, going across the river, spending another two hours shopping for ingredients, coming back, failing again, coming back with no product. So that's a whole day's worth of time, 
money, gas, whatever, just wasted. Tail between our legs. And you know what? We had to get up next couple of days, go back and do it again because we had a product. So that goes to the dedication and passion and commitment. So we just kept doing that. Oh, gosh, how long we did that for maybe two years, two or three years. And then we finally got to a point where we got to, to a place where we can automate that process and went to a kitchen incubator and they did it for, for us. But for the first two years, it was rough, brother. It was rough. And let me kind of add to that. <clears throat> when we had to piece together everything it took to make the sauce, we were, at the time, we were still getting bottles from Milwaukee. So we'd have to drive from Indiana to Milwaukee to pick up our bottles, drive them back to Indiana, then go shopping um, for all of our ingredients. And there was an ingredient that we had to order online. And that was the problem in ingredient um, on our first run because we, we tried to substitute it with something else, uh -oh. with a different brand. And when we finished, it threw everything off. Well, of course, the food scientist on, you know, that was there, uh, he didn't care about our product like we cared about it. He was like, oh, I think it's fine. That's, no, uh, no, it's not. This does not taste like my sauce. So we had to go across the river uh, into Kentucky and find the brand of ingredient that we used. Um, we went to Kroger and, and bought, I think we went to a couple of Kroger and bought them all out and came back and had to try it again. And uh, we we got it. So, man, I tell you, those those first couple of years, as Rodney said, man, it 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 was uh it was all hustle, man, and no sleep. All hustle. Terrell, share with, with us, you know, I call this the messy middle, right? Any stories you want to share from them first two years, you know, you know, branding experience, driving experimentation. What were you going through during that time? Yeah. So Latang and Rodney were both uh, boots on the ground. I was uh, living and working in, in Florida at, at the time. So I, I would come home uh, for instances like the expo or whenever we had shows or meetings. And I do recall, you know, going through that experience of going to Madison and shrink wrapping, you know, every individual bottle and giving them a water bath and stirring the sauce in these big vats, you know. So I, I remember that very, very distinctly, uh, but I, I wasn't as intimately connected to it as they as they both were. But I, by no means did I did I miss out <laughs> Or yeah. have any experience because I, I I did have a chance to experience it a little. How about this um, from anybody? You know, any advice for because this is the messy middle, right? People think small businesses, you know, all glamour, right? You guys hmm. are going through a hard time, a painful time. Were y'all relationships challenged at all? I mean, I mean, was any egos, you know, personalities, you know, button? I mean, did y'all have any of those moments? How did y'all get through it? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, yeah, we we did. Um, I don't think you can have any kind of close relationship with anyone and not have those. Okay. Um, I, I, what I will say though about our team, man, is we've always kept it respectful. Okay. We've always kept it respectful with each other, but yeah, there's, there's been a couple times where, you know, the discussions were heated. I mean, we're brothers, man. I mean, <laughs> we're brothers. I mean, you got a brother. I'm sure you fought with your brother. Hey, so, I know. That's yeah. why I'm going there. <laughs> yeah, we, we're brothers, for real. I mean, me and Terrell and I grew up like brothers. 
Um, when I met Rodney, man, we clicked like this. Um, that's my brother. So, um, yeah, we, we've had to have those, those tough conversations and a couple heated moments and, you know, but had those, I mean, we, we always came out better on the other side of those. I mean, some things were, were said that needed to be said. Um, everybody has needed to be checked at one point in time. And, and we do that. We did that respectfully and, and we, we, we grew from it and learned from it. So, um, I think if that's not happening, man, uh, there's something wrong with the relationship. Yeah. Well, I, I like the way you describe it. We kept it respectful. Right. And I think that's cool because when I, even just looking at everybody with different backgrounds, you know, I see people like, you know, my, my boy ran on there, he's a tester, right. And he live in the testing world, but sometimes people don't respect the testers, right. You know, uh, sometimes the people don't respect the marketing or the sales, uh, you know, whatever. So, uh, you know, kudos to you guys for doing that and keeping it respectful. Because, you know, when brothers get to be brothers, they get to be themselves and they get to move in this authentic place. And like you said, be brothers. You're going to bump head, but you get past it. I want to shift a little bit to the academic stuff. You know, entrepreneurship, ecosystem, fancy word. But, you know, really what it means is that, you know, what is the community doing while you guys are doing your hustle and flow? I mean, do you guys, you know, I would love to get a story from each of you guys like, you know, were you surrounded by love and support? Did you have painful? Like I said, one of the great experiences I've seen. And I would love to hear how you guys partnered with your alma mater, the university. I think that's an awesome play at building community. But I'd also would like to kind of hear, you know, anything you guys ran into, any headaches, any opportunities, or any lessons learned you want to share with the audience. And I guess, you know, one example from each of you would be perfect. I feel like I'm talking too much, so y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess... I'll take it just from the perspective of, of lessons, lessons learned. And I think for us making those, making those failures very early um, and not being afraid to fail and fail fast was, was vital to our success. Um, as Lathay mentioned earlier, you know, we don't take no for, for an answer, but even furthermore, we've had to understand and embrace that a no today doesn't mean a never forever. So even though we've been told no in certain instances, some of the business that we have today has really come back around from earlier conversations that we've had. And when you talk about community, the chef in the culinary community is very close knit. It's very, very close knit. And by the time one chef or one caterer learned about our product, another chef had already heard about it or another buyer had already heard about it. We've stepped into certain rooms and conversations like, oh yeah, I heard of you guys. You guys were presented to us last week. So when we start building that type of social capital, you can't, you really can't replace it. And I think a lot of the community that we've been able to establish is through that culinary space uh, and just continuing to press and go a little bit further through through that, through that, through those avenues and through those channels. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Um, how about you, Rod? Anything you want to share from that community, that ecosystem, any pros and cons, any lessons learned? Yeah. So I first want to give a shout out to the, to our family. It's always the first step in trying to support them what we're doing. So I got my cousin out there shout out to Donna Robinson. She's been rocking with us for, from, from the beginning. So we have really been, since we all have unique skill sets and backgrounds, we just took that and just really 
trying to get business where business would take us. I mean, we were hustling from the trunk, literally going to restaurants, to, to hotels, to just asking, hey, will you take a chance? We take a chance, we take a chance. We won some of those and they would take a chance on us. And then we got our big, our bigger break is when we went to a, got to a, uh, got to Ball State. And Lefay does this thing where I call the violin moment where we, we got to a wall, we just couldn't get past this wall. And he'll just kind of sit back and says, you know what? I just wish somebody would take a chance on us and just go into the story and then violins will play in the background and he'll, uh, and, we'll get, <laughs> and we'll get through. I swear this works every time. And, uh, but, but Terrell says we, we plant these seeds. We'll talk to any and everybody. I mean, by far and large. And then it, by, it could, it'll come back around and those seeds will continue to water those seeds and they'll grow. And I thought it was pretty telling that they got the hashtag he didn't have to do it, but he did. Uh-huh. Because I promise you, every single time our business was about to crumble, we hit this roadblock, not a hurdle, a roadblock, something would just fall down. Every single time. Every single time. So that tells us this was destined, this was ordained, keep doing what we're doing, persistence. So the lesson there is persistence. I think somebody put in the chat, persistence beats resistance. Tell your story, understand your worth and your value, make somebody listen to you and give them a chance. Give up, make them give you a chance. Awesome, awesome. I'm loving it, man. And I know the audience is eating up. What we're gonna do is pivot for QA. But before we pivot for QA, what I want to do is just one last question. And this is one of my questions. I'm gonna get out of the way. You guys have been on the ground, right? You've been, you know, at the point where you've been successful, things slowed down, you know. You know, I'm curious about, you know, the next 10 years or where you guys want to be, where you're going next. In addition to you've had a chance to do it, to be that entrepreneur on the ground, seeing the blood, the sweat, the tears and the fear of it all. Any advice you would give, you know, um, to the audience in addition to what's been said, because persistence is a theme that we get here at Southern Soul when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's not persistence. Sorry. Patience. Patience. Patience is what, you know, multiple themes, multiple entrepreneurs. But if you can, if I could wrap up entrepreneurship in one word, it would be that patience. But, you know, tell us about what's next for you guys, the next 10 years. And, you know, what do you see from your experience, the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs like you are facing? Um, I'll start. I'll start. Uh, <clears throat> next 10 years. Uh, in 10 years, man, we <laughs> um, definitely uh, a national uh, presence, um, but we, we, we have even, you know, larger aspirations. Uh, we want to be an international uh, company. And I think we are really, um, the, the relationship is, Terrell, Terrell said, man, that, that really, um, he nailed it because we often talk about planting seeds and we have planted so many seeds that have blossomed when we had no idea they were going to blossom. Um, but the blossom season right now and things that we've done in past years is really setting us up hmm. for scalability. I mean, we are, this year, 2022 has been out of this world. 
Well, it, we are working on some things that this is like, okay, guys, this is what we've been scratching the clawing for. Here we go. So now it's a matter of we're trying to make sure that we are ready, okay. that our, our house is clean because it's coming. Wow. It is coming strong. So um, the next 10 years, man, oh, shoot. <laughs> I, I'd say the next two to three, you're going to see some amazing things happening with John Toms. And it's 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 all right on the cusp of happening right now. Awesome. Man, that's an awesome story. I just get goosebumps hearing the story, right? You know, and, and I, I love this, right? Because that's what we do here at Southern Soul. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to um, spotlight uh, you, April. And what I want to do is go to the audience and get some questions. I've been seeing the, the, the chat. You know, you guys have been chatting. You guys have been chatting. <laughs> But I want to definitely hear from you all. April, what do, what do you think about the guys? I mean, I saw in the chat. I love it. Listen, I just ordered my pepper gold. I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you've already placed the order? Dude, I was like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Southern girl. So, you know, I like a little uh, a little barbecue every now and again. So, awesome. absolutely. But amazing story. So I, I feel um, really blessed to uh, be up here with you guys tonight. Yes. Likewise. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so April, I'm gonna um, while I get my uh, co-host back online, I want to just kind of get started with you. Um, any questions you have for the guys based on their story and you know as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, when you come into North Carolina, well, no, 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 that's I get it, I get it. Um, no, I think it's, it's really not necessarily a question, but just kind of just to commend you guys. So, um, a lot of times people you know, feel like it's always a crash and burn situation and go into business with others. And so high five to you for keeping the relationship strong and for running the business like a business and, you know, seeing the uh, benefit and in, in people with totally different backgrounds coming together and really making it, you know, some, some real special sauce. No, no uh, pun intended there. But no, I, I appreciate that. I can I can appreciate that a lot. So, yeah. We got the whole divine divine nine happening up there. Yes, <laughs> but yes. no, this is awesome. Man, you know, and if I can build on that, April, we we've talked amongst ourselves just as a team that mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you only get a chance to really see the articles and the write-ups and mm-hmm. what's happening on the surface. If anybody really had to see what we've had to go through mm-hmm. to get to that, yeah it's a lot of people that would not have done it. But if anybody has an idea, like if we can do it, you can do it mm-hmm. because we, we, we were steadfast in our pursuit. You know, we, we, we stand by passion, dedication and commitment. Yeah. And that, that is the ethos that I feel from you and your story that mm-hmm. we know that, that we possess and really want to encourage everybody that's what your path is right it's really you against yourself absolutely absolutely yeah there are a lot of there are a lot of um people in fields doing exactly what we do but you know there's something special when you stand out and when people start to recognize you and they start to mention your name um before you even walk in the room that's the type of blessing that you know you you pray for and then when you start to see it and really see it come to fruition, I think that's amazing. And so, you know, we've I've seen that because people only see the, oh yeah, you guys are established. It's a lot, it takes a lot to get to that point. And so absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah. just to just to build on that, people see things on the internet and social media and they think, oh, I can do it as well. But <laughs> as I tell my son, that's just a highlight reel. Double yeah. click on that story. Yeah. Ask somebody how long it took them to make that clip, which was maybe 20 or 30 times to get that perfect clip, but it probably took years to get to that point to have them build the story to get to that point. Yeah. So one thing, Calvin, I wanted to touch on um, that you mentioned earlier was the resources. Mm-hmm. We leveraged all of our resources to really build our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Me and the business world, Lefay and his community with the in the um, market journalism world, and then Terrell with his marketing connections, we build out our ecosystem and leverage our resources. That's one thing we didn't do in the very beginning. We tried to figure it out ourselves. And it wasn't until maybe three or four years later, we said, you know what? We know a lot of people, guys. Between the, the three of us, we know well over a thousand people. So why don't we just build upon that to help build our brand to get us where we need to be. Awesome, you know, I, I'm loving that. I'm really loving that 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 ecosystem once again. That mm-hmm. that building, right? Leveraging yeah. every single connection, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I love also because the product you guys chose. Think about it. You got wedding, and you got you know food. Those are just some products, mm-hmm. right? That you can talk to anybody about, right? Sometimes, you know, you may get have a product such as, you know, hip hop music. It fits over here and only certain people like that music. But I like the industries that you guys chose because even April and looking at your your product and your your images, you have a very diverse set of clients. Right. You know, I remember when I was at a business school incubator and I remember I had this idea and I was going to, you know, I call it the the horrible business idea. It's going to be a coffee shop. It's going to be only black people and it's going to be black people. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be black people. Right. You know, some executive from MTV said, why would you disenfranchise other customers? And I'm like, what that word mean? Right. I didn't know at the time. <laughs> but what I began to realize that, yes, I was focused on the cultural thing, which is good. But everybody like barbecue sauce. Right. Right. Everybody goes to wedding. And I began to see the numbers open up. Right. So kudos to you guys for choosing something. I'm pretty sure Rodney can appreciate this. Y'all pick the product that can multiply exponentially. Right. That's right. April, you pick the product that can physically grow. It's always, you know, opportunity for wedding. Yeah. And, and even there's things the, to morph into from that as well, too. And I, I can't imagine why anybody would, you know, only choose to work with one particular people. Like, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's about income, you know, as well, too. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, the audience is being quiet tonight. I haven't been able to keep up with the chat. But Tamika, Katie, did you guys see any questions in the chat? Before Katie speaks, I will say that uh, Rodney has been answering the questions okay. within the chat, so that's why they are quiet tonight. Oh, so right. thank you, Rodney, for 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 doing that. Um, so during. before Katie goes her question, thank you, Rodney. Thank you, Tamika. So is it true that your sauce is vegan or vegetarian? Because you know, I, um, Willie told me they didn't. Y'all didn't have the ingredients on the back. So, but you know, he one of those guys. What do y'all tell the vegan, the vegetarian? <laughs> so the. The ingredients are on the, they are on the okay. back of the bottle. They have to be, that's that's law. Um, over the years, we've had to really work on cleaning up our label. Okay. Um, once we started conversations with, uh, especially colleges and universities, where, you know, the students all are allergic to something. Uh-huh. So what we, what we quickly found out was that uh, colleges and universities look for products with no allergens, um, no high fructose corn syrup. Um, so we have been very fortunate to to clean up 
um, our, our label. The, the the two things that we were left trying to clean up, well, we there's a Worcestershire sauce that we were using in our our, our sauce, and it uh, it had soy, and it had anchovies in it. So mm-hmm. there was your fish and soy allergens. So um, our manufacturer actually found a vegan Worcestershire sauce that nice. did not contain soy nor the 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 anchovies. So yes. Uh, yes, we can say that our product is vegan. Awesome. Uh, we eliminated the high fructose corn syrup and everything. So everything's all natural. You can pronounce everything on the back of our bottle. And uh, yeah, we've had to work hard to do that over the years. Awesome. Kudos to you, man. I know that's a proud moment for you, man, because, you know, when he asked me, I'm like, man, I don't know, man. But, you know, it's barbecue sauce. It's going on meat. You know, I don't know. But, you know, but kudos to you. You, you describe it well. There's allergens and you're dealing with universities. And, and actually, I love that story because it was a good test market. Right. You know, as they say, if you can sell it here, then you can sell it anywhere. So, you know, kudos to you on that. Um, Katie, go ahead. You, you got some questions in the chat. What are your thoughts? There's a funny question that I really liked. It was from Frank Dobbins. He asks, I'd like to know what your family has to say about your sauce versus your grandfather's sauce. Uh-oh. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's very pleased. Um, you know, and I, I'll never claim it as he is because it's not. Um, I miss his. I do. I miss it. I miss that taste. Um but no, the family, they'll tell you they're they're very proud of what what I came up with. And they all say that if he was living, he'd be he'd be proud, too. So, yeah, no, it's um, the family is cool with it. Man. They they love it. They, they now let me tell you something about family, though. Oh, <laughs> I was about to ask you another question about family. So go ahead. Tell us about family. So when I first when I first moved back to Muncie to start this thing. To be honest, I think some of my family thought I was crazy. I do. Um, and, and what I've learned, you know, for entrepreneurs got to have a little craziness to them anyway, right? So, yeah, but I, I think, you know, I think, well, I, I really think they were worried. So me and Terrell's aunt, our Aunt Faye, she's passed, rest in peace. She was like my mom. She was like my second mom. Um, I know she was worried about me because here you have someone who's been working on television for seven years and they're moving back home, moving his wife and two kids in with his mother to start a barbecue sauce business. (laughs) Yeah. I think they thought I was a little crazy. Um, And with that, I also don't think they took me that serious because I had to check my mother-in-law I had to check my own mother um, when I go to their house and I see a bottle of Sweet Baby Ray and I'm like, really? Like, really? Really? Like, this is what you're doing? Oh, I was just at the store and I needed some. Well, all you got to do is call me and you could have had a bottle of sauce. And so really, that really, I ain't gonna lie, it it hurt. Like, that hurt. Because to me, it told me, you don't think what I'm doing, you're not taking me serious. Like, you don't think what I'm doing now, you know, they're converted. They will not buy another barbecue sauce and they're calling me. I need some sauce. So it's, it's cool. But first starting out, that was something I struggled with, man. I, you know, and, and not just them, but you know, friends. And I mean, you see me really trying to start this business 
and like you going and buy some inferior product is like a slap in the face to me. I, I let them know it every time I saw it. Oh, I love it. I bet they hate to see you coming, boy. They're like, he going to check the kitchen, y'all. Hide the sauce. Hide the- <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple of people trying to hide it. I see it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been a great conversation tonight. Um, April, we didn't have a question for you, but I will say I want to say thank you to all of you guys for doing what you do. You know, I was reading somewhere, they say, you know, life is made out of leaders, followers, and the people who watch. And I love at Southern Soul when we can get together with those rare people, those people who out there, they're leading it. They can enjoy a comfortable life, but they got something inside of them, you see? They got something that says, I want to do more. And that's why we here at Southern Soul. So make sure y'all spread the word and let them know every Thursday at 8 o'clock Eastern, we here, and we're going to take y'all into what we call the soul verse. And the soul verse, I'm going to take you there. It starts with music, and it's some black excellence. It's people doing their thing. And you got some, you know, trolls out there, but we don't let them in, right? (laughs) But it's all good people doing good things. But I got to tell y'all about next week. Next week, y'all, it's bring your white friend to Southern Soul. If you're already here... (laughs) You know, you know, bring your white friend. Cause tell me what we're gonna be talking about. We gonna have a panel of white folks talking about a couple topics: white fragility. If you heard the term but you don't know what it means, I'm telling you, we gonna break down white fragility detail. And then I didn't realize this exists. There's a thing out there. It's called white on white support groups for white people who got racist issues and stuff. You know, the white people who go talk to the white people and say, "Get y'all thing together." Next week, see, at Southern Soul, we mix it up. Any topic that affects the community, we talk about it. Mental health, journalism, you know, the people. So next week, we're just going to get deep into this thing. And I'm telling you why we're getting there. Before 2016, I'm from Texas. I'm like, I know about this stuff. I know about disparities and racism and the have and have nots. It wasn't until during COVID 2016, I turned around and read 10 different books. And I said, oh, M G. This thing goes deep, real deep. It's so deep that everybody born in this country can be guilty of this thing called racism and bias. So we're going to chop it up next week. So it's bring your white friend to Southern Soul next week, and we're going to talk about all the good topics. So, Katie, anything else? I know you like to have the last words. You know, Katie, anything you want to say to the people? I, I do love to have the last word. Um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to say that I am really inspired by everyone that was on the show this evening. Everyone from the chat um, chat before in the lounge room, before the show actually got started to now. And the thing I think about is that, you know, we just had a new Supreme Court justice sworn in. And it was one of those things where you think about for all of us people, brown people, black people, to see somebody that is our color doing, you know, their own thing is really inspirational. And so, you know, what you guys are all doing tonight, I'm going to be certain that I share it with other people that are younger than us so that they too can see the possibilities for their lives. Um, It's just remarkable every time I see something like this and, and see the struggles, but know that, you know, so many of us are coming out on the right side of things. So thank you. Congratulations for all you've done and for all you'll continue to do. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. You don't know how I like to do. I like to play some of my daddy's favorite records, you see. And it turned out that my daddy's favorite records are my favorite records. But for the entrepreneurs on tonight, we got to let y'all know 
that we are scared of you because y'all doing the thing. Awesome. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You see, I, I get so excited. Y'all, it's something about black excellence. Y'all understand. People be like, why he's so happy, right? Y'all don't understand. You know, first of all, I'm about a hundred years before my time. So I'm out here in this ecosystem <laughs> of the metaverse and seeing stuff. And I didn't travel it forward in time and I didn't come back. So I'm trying to let y'all know what's out there, right? But people be looking at me a little bit, why are you doing this? And you know, I'm like, well, I'm telling you, it's beautiful now. So I'm just giving y'all an example. See, what the future got is some good music. You see what I'm trying to say? You know, it got some black people. You know, they all got nice skin. They shiny. You see what I'm trying to say? They got braids. They got locks. Like April said, you're going to get these locks. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that's the future. <laughs> I don't know where you were going with that, but it was lovely. <laughs> Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for a discussion with the audience.